Right, let's do it. So uh, welcome to episode six of the FPL Context. I can't believe episode six already, but we're here. Um, you've got me and Greg on, but we're delighted to say that we've also got FPL Mentor on, who is Rudy. So thank you for coming on, Rudy. No problem. Thank you for having me. So uh, yeah, we've got Rudy to talk on about, about some FPL waffles. So I guess the first question we want to ask him is, how do you have your waffles, Rudy? How do I like my waffles? Um, Mate, do you like it savoury? Do you like it sweet? Do you want a bit of bacon on there or do you want just a little bit of syrup? <laughs> what waffles are we talking about? I like potato waffles, but I don't know if you're referring to like American style oh, potato waffles. waffles. Now you've mixed it up. <laughs> yeah. What right, going eggs for? And beans. Yeah, I like a bit of, you know, ketchup and just, just waffles on their own, to be honest, a bit of ketchup. <laughs> ketchup <laughs> Easy <waffles>. job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you didn't tell me this before I invited you on. <laughs> If we're going for American waffles, then obviously it's like syrup and chocolate sauce or whatever, but I don't have them too much. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then we've got Greg on. So uh, unfortunately, Greg's back, but we still got him. So, uh, <laughs> so Rudy, I know you've been following the podcast, mate. Um, yeah, mate you've been You've been brilliant support since it's got started. Um, unfortunately, Greg's took a 2-0 lead this week, mate. So he's done me in game week one and he's done me in game week two. He's beat me by a point this game week. So I know you're a, a big fan of the Steve camp. So <laughs> I was just... until um, I seen you made some last minute changes to your game week one team. Um, <laughs> and then I was kind of swaying towards Greg. <laughs> I put that team up, Greg, and he basically just said to me, what have you done? Oh, it was absolutely. It was as expected, really. 2-0 lead. No, no shots there. Yeah, so I don't think Rudy was too uh, too surprised to see that I hit the wildcard button basically straight away. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so what we're going to do, guys, just break down an agenda for you. So first of all, we're going to shout out our manager of the week for game week two. Um, great job there. I'll go through that. Um, then we're going to go through the game week two fixtures, talking about the teams themselves, the players, and what we're looking out for for game week three in terms of those assets. And then we're going to be looking at captaincy for game week three and breaking down some differentials, so under 5% end. So let's get started. So first off, we're just going to shout out our manager of the week, and that is Lee. Lee, I'm not going to pronounce your second name, mate, because I've got no idea and I don't want to offend you. So I'm going to go with Lee. Lee D. So it's Lee, second name begins with D, so we'll call him Lee D. And he's at Liverpool underscore 30 underscore. And he got 96 points this this week, guys. So, Smashed unbelievable game. score. Incredible. Let me break it down for you, though. So, he went Richarlison captain, Ooh. which is a nice little differential yeah, yeah. shout, isn't it? And he was unlucky, to be honest. He had a goal disallowed also. Ball came in. He put it top, top bins. Yeah. Uh, he got 24 points uh, from that. He got Son, which I'm going to go into how much I... Son got 24. Mitrovic got 12. And then he also got Justin. You know, I tell you what, when James Justin scored, I literally nearly smashed the TV. This is like this game week. Uh, And then also he got Trent uh, clean sheet too. So all those Trent sellers, all of a sudden, he's got that clean sheet there. So that's. What's great from him there, I think, is a lot of people were panicking on the likes of Son. A lot of people were panicking on the likes of, the, on the likes of Mitrovic after game week one. And they held their nerve. I know you, I saw you have a conversation with someone actually, yeah. really, about he was talking about moving Son to Rashford. And you said, no, nah, just just wait. Yeah. And uh, 
he bagged four goals. So you yeah. saw the four goals coming, did you? Um, well, after watching the, the Southampton Palace game um, and seeing how far Kyle Walker-Peters was getting up the pitch, the way Zahar was exploiting the, the right side of the, the Palace defence, I thought that kind of bode well for, for Son. Um, especially after watching the Spurs-Everton game as well. I know Son wasn't too impressive that game, but in terms of his positioning and how, how um, high up the line and how, how attacking he was, I thought he would be able to exploit um, the defence. So, yeah, I and mean, that kind of come good for me. Um, yeah, I don't really like to give advice out too much on, on FPL Twitter or whatnot, or whatnot, because if it goes wrong, then obviously, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be accountable for that. But, um, <laughs> I was just surprised that so many people were selling Son. I think it was like the second most transferred out. Um, yeah, I know. It was the same with Trent. I just, all of a sudden, you're seeing Trent's own shooter down by 10% after one game week. And like, he was the most yeah. essential pick before the game. And then after one game, he's he's crap. Yeah, so it's, exactly. Uh, it's a funny one. But yeah, so yeah, well done to Lee. Unbelievable there, mate. Uh, we're just going to quickly break down our teams. So... Rudy, do you want to quickly just let us know how you got on this week, mate, and what was good, what was bad? Game week two. Okay, Uh, game week two. So I ended up on 70 points. I took a hit going into game week two as well. So 66 all out. Oh, love it. To be honest, you know what? Saturday, that early kickoff, having no Everton players, I thought this is going to be a big red eye. (laughs) To be honest, I was, I was, I I like the look of the Everton players, but I didn't Mm. see a 5 2. Result there, I honestly didn't. And I thought, um, who, who was the opponent again? Everton versus um, West, West Brom, Brom wasn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. And I thought West Brom played okay in, in parts in terms of keeping possession and there was creating a few chances, worrying the Everton back line. Um, and then uh, Gibbs, oh, I'm not a big fan of Gibbs at all. <laughs> I think he's robbed a career as a footballer, 10 caps for England, I don't know how. Um, and I was literally making notes about that oh, game. Wait, wait, quickly. Sorry, Kieran. I know you're listening, mate. But <laughs> Sorry about that. I was literally making notes, and yeah, I was just. I made a note that at a point that he was getting exploited on the left, and he just doesn't really look like a footballer, to be honest. Um, and then <laughs> next thing you know, you see Coleman blitzing him down the right hand side, whips in the ball, <laughs> goal. Minutes later, he's, he's sent off, and then he just ruined my whole bloody day, crazy, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And uh, the thing about it is, is I can hand on heart say that I did see a, a hat-trick coming for calvert and That's why I put him in my team. So, uh, he looked yeah, good. He looked I, I, just knew it. I, I generally, I've, I wanted Richarlison from the start. I've always wanted Richarlison because I know Ancelotti said at the end of the last season about him bagging 30 goals this year. And obviously, I didn't completely believe that, but I mm. thought, right, so he's going to be putting the he's putting the right ingredients there for him to really yeah. produce. And I think he had the most, he had a lot more shots in the box against Spurs than Calvert Lewin did. Yeah. But I just couldn't get there that extra mil, so I went for Calvert Lewin, and it's just it's paid off. But Greg, you're fuming, aren't you? It frustrated me <laughs> so much. It was the first game of the week. I knew Steve had Calvert Lewin, and so what? Calvert Lewin's first goal. What about? 10 centimetres out and then what second one about 10 centimetres out again ball yeah. already going in from a Charleston shot and then the third one it comes off the back of his head and I was just like yeah. what <laughs> mate, he's, got that the game week. he's got that poacher game it frustrated yeah. me so much it was interesting to say um, to hear what he said about um, Ancelotti as well in, in talking to him about um, one touch finishing and, and not taking so many touches before he shoots and to see him kind of putting that into into practice really and, and and it working for him 
Um, and I think we all know Ancelotti's a big fan of him anyway. But I'm really impressed with how he's come on this season in terms of he's straight, he looks like a, a lot stronger. He's winning headers on the ball. Um, he just looks a lot, got, a lot sharper. Looks, looks he's sharper. got an unbelievable leap on him, hasn't he? He's yeah, got, he's got yeah. his standing jump. He's got an incredible jump on him. Um, but yeah, so who was your main point scorers uh, for you this week then, mate? Um, let me just have a quick look. So for game week two... Uh, obviously, Son, twenty-four uh, <laughs> points, um, and the we'll second, <laughs> my second highest uh, point scorer was Danny Ings. So obviously, he bagged two in the same game. So that game, yeah. I, I walked away with, with six goals, which is exactly what I needed after watching that Everton game and having no Everton yeah. cover. So, Very nice. yeah, I was feeling a bit uh, relieved after that. Elsewhere, I didn't really do too great. Um, obviously, Trent got the, the clean sheet. Um, Justin, uh, he got he picked up a goal. Oh, you didn't um, have Justin and all, did you? Yeah. To be honest, Greg, um, sorry. To be honest, Steve, I've been slating Justin <laughs> <laughs> since pre-season, saying how much I don't rate him as a footballer. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I've only got him in my team because I was playing the fixtures. He's 4.5. I really yeah. don't rate him as a player, but I think he's starting to change my my opinion a little bit. He's doing all right for me in FPL. Yeah. Oh, he's been, he's been so attacking, <laughs> hasn't he? He's been so attacking. I think he's absolutely crap like you, but I think, uh, <laughs> but yeah, if he gets the points, he gets the points. It's a bit like Calvert-Lewin. Like, Calvert-Lewin, he could like, he could hit it in with the back of his head, his knee, or like even on the end, end of his dick if he wants, as long as it goes <laughs> in the goal, I don't care. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'll take the points. Uh, what about you, Greg? So I know you've done me by a point. Yeah. Which pretty annoying, if I'm being honest, but how have you done it? So the main one for me was Son again. He um he really saved me this game week. To be honest, he got almost half of my points. Um, it's just I was almost doing circles around the living room when I saw him just going through every like five minutes. He's throwing goal and scoring every opportunity. It was perfect to be honest. So yeah, he was a big savior yeah. for me, which I was really happy about because he was one I was considering maybe taking out um, for Bruno. Bruno was the one I had in my mind, but I didn't do it. And Son definitely repaid that favour. So um, having him was good. And I know um, I know you have Bruno as your captain. We'll probably come on to your team. But uh, that blank... Why did you have the... <laughs> that blank... It's not really about your team. I need to talk about my team just yet. <laughs> um, but I had Aubameyang as captain who got not the biggest score, but he got an assist. So a few points there. Um, except for that, I had quite a lot of blanks, to be honest. Uh, Martial blank, Werner blank. Um, but... Trent as well uh, got a few points from that and Ryan and goal a few points from the Brighton clean sheet yeah yeah well like on Sunday I was I was just thinking I might deactivate this fucking team (laughs) (laughs) it was just literally just Son had done over Southampton and I was fuming about that and then it came to it and Monday night, I, I just looked at it and it, everything went right for me. So I was on like around the 30 point mark. And then I had Martinez in goal, who I just, I on the wild card, I brought him in. And I was out shopping with the missus and Greg rang me and he was like, he's only saved the bloody penalty. So, I, was, I, was at, <laughs> so I had a can of beans in my hand and I'm just going, get it, <laughs> can of beans above my head. No uh, and then also I had De Bruyne. So I brought De Bruyne in early on the World Cup too. And he is such an exciting prospect as that. I know, obviously, already 
De Bruyne is the king, but to have him in the number 10 role and on penalties, I know we're going to that game, but he's just as good at FPL as you could ever wish for. Totally agree. Underpriced um, as well. I don't know how he's not 12 million this year. I know, mate. I know. I think think also, well, we're going to the City game, but it, it will be interesting when Aguero comes back if he'll still be on the pens. But if he keeps putting them away, I can't see why they change it. So, um, so that's one to keep a lookout for. But okay, so let's quickly go through the game. So I know we've spoke a little bit about Everton West Brom already. Now yeah. I watched the whole game actually, and I was pretty impressed by West Brom actually. For the first half an hour, yeah. they were playing really, really, really nice stuff. Especially in Diangana, I thought he was playing really, really well. And Pereira, oh, great goal. Yeah, they were a constant threat. They were a constant threat, and I don't think, um, I don't think that Everton were really prepared for that counter attack. I thought Allen was getting a little bit overrun at there, which he's going to take a little bit of time to get accustomed to because Spurs played so slowly in the first game. But um, yeah, I thought West Brom was attacking force. And I know some, there are quite a few owners of Pereira at the start of the game, and he looks a, he looks a decent asset. And I, with Chelsea's defence too, I wouldn't be surprised if West Brom. And the likes of Dean Garner and Pereira actually return this weekend. So, would you quickly think about West Brom assets, really? Um, not for me. But you um, expecting that question. <laughs> what do you think about West Brom players? I do like uh, I do like the uh, the look of Pereira, but I just think is it six mil? Yeah, just a little bit steep for me. I don't know how. I don't know if they're going to score enough goals to kind of justify that. Um, yeah, so for. For me personally, I don't think I'm going to be considering any West Brom at this point anyway. But yeah, feel free to do as you wish, uh, now, Steve. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to have a, I'd like to have a pop. But how can I? I'd never, I just could never see myself defending a West Brom player. Um, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to. I just think they're both good players, Dean Garner and Pereira, and they will create for for themselves, but there's nothing around them. So it's just going to be like just individual bits of brilliance here and there. Yeah. And it's just that supply chain, like you said, it's just not going to be enough. And when you look at the likes of Foden being 0.5 mil than Pereira, it just doesn't really make much sense. But he does look a good player. And I think people who think clean sheets are, def- are going to be an absolute definite against West Brom. I don't think that's going to be the case. Mm. But, um, no, but yeah, so looking at Everton now, obviously people are pulling their hair out because James hasn't had a price rise yet, even though he's gone up by like 10% in terms of ownership, which is which is weird. I'm not 100% sure what's going on with the price rises this year. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of James, Greg? Obviously he got his goal. Um, but you said that you weren't too sure. Yeah, so I'm not 100% convinced on Hammers at the moment, which is probably quite unpopular. I think um, in terms of a player, he's absolutely quality. I think I've been really impressed with him um, so far. But I think he scored a goal uh, in that game. But I think it was his only shot and it was pretty much a worldie. It was like 25 yards out-ish. Uh, he did get an assist as well, which is definitely positive. And he's on free kicks. And we don't know who Everton's penalty taker is yet, but I could consider him being potentially the penalty taker. So it's like you made your argument that you thought he was crap and then you all of a sudden <laughs> gave us five reasons why he was good. <laughs> so yeah, those are the, I, I like him as an option for that, but I just think um, his own, his goal was 25 yards out. I'm not sure if he's going to match that many games, but 
I don't know, 7.5 mil is a good price, but I'm just not fully convinced yet. Okay. What do you think, Rudy? Obviously, everyone's <clears throat> been clamouring around James. Um, it's it's difficult because it's West Brom at home, so you've got to try and put things into context. He looks like, to me, when he was playing against Spurs, that he looked like he might be the assist of the assister. The, or whatever whatever it is he puts the ball out to Digne Digne puts it across and then there was quite a lot of that going on but obviously if he is on penalties he's on the free kicks but he's sharing the free kicks with Digne too so it's not completely exclusive hmm. but I think when it comes down to price it's hard to find better value yeah um, I really like the look of him and out of the three Everton attackers so Calvert-Lewin Richarlison and Rodriguez he, Rodriguez is the one I'm actually trying to squeeze into my team um, yeah I just think he's such a creative player. His left foot, the way he just picks players out through balls. Um, I think if Richarlison can keep making those runs and trying to stretch defences, Rodriguez can pick him out. I think he'll definitely pick up a, a few assists. Um, like you said, he's sharing free kicks in corners as well. I noticed that um, Rodriguez was taking corners from the right-hand side, digging on, on, the, on the left. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great option. I think he might be on pens as well. Um but I just think he's, he's just got so much quality about him. Maybe it's a bit of a nostalgic kind of move at this moment in time. I think we all want to see him do well and kind of set the yeah. Premier League alight. But maybe it's maybe we're all just kind of getting a bit carried away. Um, initially, I thought he might be a bit of a luxury player, not really grafting and track back and do the, the dirty side of the game. But I think from what I've seen, he is actually doing that uh, so far. So, yeah, I'm quite impressed with him. Yeah, yeah. Um- I completely echo that, to be honest. Um, one of my favourite ever players was Pyatt in his first season for West Ham. Mm. Like when Pyatt amazing, joined the league, amazing. I didn't really, I didn't really know too much about him, but he was an absolute maverick in that first year. And I'm thinking if James can do something fairly similar, yeah, then obviously he's a he's a he's a great option. But I think the difference is that Everton. They've, it's not like they've just brought in James from last season. They've brought in Decoro. They've brought in Allen. So they've kind of like, they've got a better supply chain to him. Yeah. And so that's more solid for him to, to actually work with on that side. So I think he is a better asset than uh, than if he had just picked up and he put into the Everton squad. The whole team has improved in terms of quality. So I think he's definitely he's definitely really high on the watch list for me too. And I think I know a lot of people are looking at Digne. And he's at six, so quite expensive for a defender. I know we're trying to get as much in midfield as possible. What do you think about Michael Keane? Now, Michael Keane, I know that seems like a funny question, but he did, he has got quite a lot of set-piece threat. Uh, he did score, and he is obviously cheaper. So if you're looking for a way into the Everton defence, is, is Michael Keane an option? I'm not sure he's going to be highly owned. So what do you think about Michael Keane? Greg, go on, Michael Keane. I'm not. I'm not totally convinced of Michael Keane. I don't think that's a good shout at all. Personally, personally, I think um, if I'm going to choose an Everton option, I think there's four at least ahead of him who I'd pick. Um, most of them being attacking options. Um, I think if I was to pick an Everton defender, it'd be Digne because of his attacking threat. I know Keane got a goal, but I don't think you can completely rely on um, set piece headers for justifying picking him. So not for me personally. Okay. All right. And then we'll go to the next game. So basically the league's early entertainers, which is Leeds. Leeds are just absolutely full of goals, full of goals for and full of goals against. 
So crazy game, 4-3. They went 4-1 up, went to 4-3. Uh, and Leeds, their midfield is just full of goals and they're all so lowly priced within the 5.5 to 6 mil mark that with click, click also on penalties, he scored against Liverpool. You got Costa scored against Liverpool. You got two. So, what do you think about Leeds' options in terms of the midfielders? I know Bamford has got uh, got obviously his ownership to go up. He got a price rise, but I feel like Bamford. We've seen his finishing over a longer period of time in the league before, and he will come back down to the mean of that. He's actually crap. So I think the, the other. The other midfielders of like Click and Costa are better options for me. I guess a lot of people are looking for that that cheaper fourth midfielder spot or fifth midfielder spot. Are you filling that spot with a Leeds player? Either of you? Um, it's something I've been thinking about, particularly with the injury doubt to ASM. Um, I think Harrison at, at Leeds is one that's kind of stood out for me in terms of like how advanced forward he gets, his work rate. He just seems really sharp and quick and seems like he offers quite a bit of, of a threat going forward. I know Costa's performed quite well as well. Um, so I think out of the Leeds midfielders, I think Harrison's probably the one that I've got my eye on. But at this stage, I, I don't. I think with all the uh, newly promoted sides, I think I, I, I tend to hold off a little bit to see how their form kind of, whether they can maintain their, their form after four or five games. Because um, obviously it's still the, the honeymoon period for some teams. So I'll be holding off um, on any of the promoted teams for now, personally. Uh, I think one point about Leeds is it seems that with the, the tempo that Bielsa plays and like the, the amount of effort that they put in, they do tail off a little bit at the end of the seasons. Every season they've had, yeah. they've tailed off a little bit. Like, um, And I think if you're going to have Leeds assets, you probably want them fairly early on in the season because then I feel like after Christmas time, then you're going to start seeing that those energy levels aren't as high as before, and they're letting goals in for mm. fun already. So I know they're trying to get a new centre back in, but what do you what do you think, Greg? I know you're you're on your wild card at the moment. So are you looking at Leeds midfielder? Yeah, so I have got a Leeds midfielder in mind. Um, Harrison is one I really like the look of. I like the look of Costa. Obviously, got two goals um, against Leeds, but the one I've got my eye on most is Click. Um, Five point five midfielder. He takes penalties. I believe he scored. Um, great goal against Liverpool. Um, I think uh, he's got great attacking returns so far um, on penalties. I think penalty takes is such a big thing this year. It seems like penalties have been given left, right and centre. So that's one of the main reasons I'm justifying it at the moment. I think it might be 13. I think there's been 13 penalties really since within two game weeks. So if you're talking about, um, so it's just over six, like six and a half. And they can't have half a penalty, but still, like, you, to have 13 over those two games, it really does show that penalty takers are just, they're basically essential. Um, so that's why I will always have KDB over Sterling, for example, yeah. just because yeah. of that surety that you get that. But yeah, no, I think that's. And then obviously, just quickly looking at Fulham. So it's hard to look at Fulham. Like, it's basically. Like, what can you say about a pile of dog shit? But, <laughs> but, uh, going, sorry, Fulham fans. <laughs> sorry, Fulham fans. And then, so we've got Mitrovic, you got two goals. So I know he was, um, he was talked about quite heavily for game week one. He got benched. Everyone was pulling their hair out. 
people who stuck, you got two goals, but is it just the fact that Leeds were really open or is Mitrovic going to actually be a decent option? I think it's probably going to be that Leeds just, they got a bit tired. It's early on in the season still and it opened up for him. I can't really see Fulham creating too much, to be honest. So what do you think about Mitrovic? Is he six mil? I know it's not that much money, but I just think there's better options, isn't there? Uh, six mil, I think, is definitely an option worth considering at six mil. Um, it's just Fulham; they don't look very convincing at all. Um, even in that Leeds game, I, I wasn't really impressed with how they played necessarily. Yeah. But it looks like it, it looks like the only only real option for goals, really. When I think of Fulham, um, I think yeah, for six mil, I think you just got to hope that Fulham pick up a goal or two in every game. Um, he reminds me a bit of like, I don't know, Fulham remind me a little bit like a school football team and they've got that superstar striker up front who they heavily rely on, but the rest, every, everyone around him is just crap. Um, it's like, I know what you're saying, it's like the under 13s and you put a 16. Yeah, yeah, ball. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to do it all on his own. But um, Have you ever seen that photo of Lukaku and the under 13s and he's again, he's like standing up opposite another kid and the kid's maybe like four foot and Lukaku's already six foot. (laughs) Massive. Yeah, Um, just like that. um, Yeah, so ended on that. Now, I don't really want to talk about this game um, because it was fucking painful as a fan and also as an FPL player. But So we've got United lost 3-1 at home to Palace. Um, it was an absolute horror show as from a fan's point of view, but also FPL point of view because I captain Bruno obviously had Marshall in. Um, we'll quickly talk about Palace because Palace, let's be honest, this season they're probably not going to get too much talking space and they want to enjoy their moment. I see that they've got Andros Townsend to come on Talk Sport and talk about the win, which is uh, <laughs> it just pisses me off that like. He gets one win against Man United, and all of a sudden he's going to talk sport, giving the big one. But anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll go on. He did get his goal. Fair enough to him. Fair enough. But let's be honest, he's a failed footballer at Tottenham, and that's one of the ways he's playing at Palace. But we'll, anyway, how shit were we? How shit were we though? We were. Oh, mate, I just it's a difficult one because I look at it and um, I feel like Ollie made a couple of mistakes. Um, yeah. I think in terms of playing Pogba, not the fact that Pogba played, but Pogba had COVID, didn't play any pre-season minutes, he not played any games. It just seemed like it didn't make much sense when Van der Beek was there. Um, I think also, I feel like McTominay can't play with Pogba and um, Bruno because he's got no discipline. Okay. And those two, Bruno's all over the all over the place. Pogba likes to come deep, but also run forward. And McTominay's just like, he's just like a headless chicken. He's just fucking bouncing about everywhere. He's got no, like, it's just, it leaves you so open to counter-attacks. And that's what just happened over and over again. And then we'll talk about that. We're talking about Lindelof. And that's an absolute crime that he's a, basically he's a player, let alone playing for Man United. Um, but what do you think? Are we going to sign anyone? Like, because I thought it was an absolute banker, yeah. but now I was because Greg's talking. About, Greg's on his wild card. Yeah, talking about Greenwood, and I think Greenwood is. If you ask me, who's going to score the most goals for us this year? I actually think it's Greenwood. 
Like he came on last. I don't. I don't know if you watched the game last night. Came on. I didn't know. No. Got an assist within about two minutes. I know it's Luton, and then he just squared up defender, and then he just finished it, no problem. And it, I just think he's had his breakout year, and I think he'll get over twenty goals. I really, over think, twenty goals. I honestly think he'll get over twenty goals. I've never seen a natural finisher like him play for us yeah. since Van Persie. Van Persie reminds, reminds me a lot of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of FPL. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking, got to stay away from United assets. But I know we fell in the same trap with Spurs, didn't we? Everyone thought Spurs shit, so we can't, we won't have any of their assets. But So I've got Bruno and Martial on my team. I guess my one worry isn't was that when Van der Beek came on, Bruno went a lot deeper. Yeah, that was my worry. So <laughs> what does that mean long-term for him being an FBO asset? Is that just, that was the game? And um, he wanted Bruno, wanted Bruno there, but it's going to be interesting what happens when Pogba, Bruno, and Van der Beek are all fit. What happens then? I think if he doesn't sign Sancho, which is very unlikely, I think you'll see us change the formation, and I think we might go to a diamond, and I think you'll see um, Matic sit with um, Bruno and Pogba as the two eights, and Donny as the ten. Okay, so that could mean um, Donny a, a good FPL option at his price. Well, it's seven mil. Yeah, it's and you wait and see. He looked good last night too. He's got an eye for goal. Yeah, but um, it's definitely one to watch. But what do you think, Greg? I know you you've so you were thinking about bringing Bruno in your wildcard team, but you've, you you're not you just don't fancy it now. Yeah, so it really put me in two minds that Palace game. I played my wildcard before the game even started, um, and after I felt a bit uh, a bit confused because. Putting Bruno in was one of my core plans for my wild card, but now it's a bit more um, of a decision to make. Um, as you say, when Van der Beek came on, it seemed like Bruno dropped a bit deeper. It seemed like he was playing right back at one point. He was playing in weird positions. It might have just been the game. Um, it's just because everyone else was so knackered and Harry Maguire so slow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it could have just been the game and the fact like we were really chasing it at that point. Um but it does worry me, Donny van der Beek, um, the fact he might take up Bruno's positions because uh, van der Beek seems like he's quite an attacking option in the games I've seen of him. Um, I definitely think with van der Beek, if he does play solid um, game time, 7 mil, I think he's a bargain um, with the way he's been playing in the first two games. I've been impressed. Um, yeah. What do you think about Martial? Because I've got Martial on my side. Um, so I think... Uh, he looked really good for France in the, front, in, in the Nations League before then he turned he did was it just the fact he didn't get any service or yeah I think uh, he definitely didn't get much service in that game I think we hardly got the ball to him at all um I think going off the back of last season and the Nations League I think he's looked quality he's looked uh, the best he's ever been in my opinion um, it definitely turned me off a little bit watching him the other day um no real chances nothing to really suggest he was going to get a goal but it's just one game so maybe that'd just be a knee-jerk reaction if you're thinking about getting rid of him for your team. Yeah. And what do you think about long-term Martial, Rudy? Do you think he'll, be, yeah. he'll do well? Good option? I, I wouldn't be worrying at this stage. I think he's shown last season what he can do when he's in form. I think he's only going to get better um, in time as well. Um, for me, what I noticed from the Man United performance, I just think we look so lacklustre and just not like we hadn't had a pre-season. It, I, I, I watched the game and it felt like a friendly match. Um um, we know how difficult uh, Palace can make it for teams. Um, 
and yeah, they just did what what we expected. Really, kind of sat sat back, invited Man United on a little bit. But I think they they were more up for it. The way McCarthy and McCarthy were in the in the centre of the park, just battling for everything, and Zahar and Townsend breaking. They, I think they was they was all over us. To be honest, we just had no tempo. Pogba giving the ball away four, five, six times. Maguire doing the same. I just feel like the tempo of our play is so slow. and It just makes it easy for teams like Palace. They're, they're happy to play like that. Um, but what impressed, impressed me with um, Van der Beek was when he came on, you could see he was trying to inject that little bit of pace and energy and speed into the game. Yeah. Um, so that's worrying for me because obviously I, I was in- anticipating him coming in and maybe sitting more of a deeper uh, role in, within the midfield, allowing Pogba and Fernandez ahead of him. Um, because we know he can play that dis- defensive role as well, and I think he would he could play that role quite well because it, it kind of feeds into the way we play in terms of breaking up play on the counter attack, and he's quite quick. He's got a good pass on him. He can play through balls. So I was hoping he, he would kind of fall into that role, but I don't think that's going to be the case now. I think he's going to play more attacking, which is bad news for for Fernandez owners. Um, yeah, so, and Van der Beek did play the ten last night before Bruno came did he? in. So. That is definitely one to keep out an eye on. Just quickly before we move on to the next game, just a quick question for both of you. Rudy, are we going to sign Sancho? Mm, um, no. I'm going to say no. What do you reckon, Greg? We're going to sign Sancho? I reckon it's too far gone now. I'm going to go with no as well. I saw um, on the news today, apparently Dortmund are baffled by how we've approached uh, trying to sign Sancho, which kind of made me laugh. Um, I just think he's there to stay now. Wow. I think we need a Ed Woodward impression. Last time you did it, we got a good signing. So, yeah. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> well, I reckon Ed's actually sitting there going, "I tell you what, they're going to crack. They're going to crack. We, they're going to they're going to let me have Jaden for sixty million on deadline day. I know it. I know it. They call him up on deadline day, and he's like, "Hey guys, it's Ed, sixty mil. Ed, fuck off. <laughs> Phone down. I can just see it now, and we end up signing Josh King." <laughs> but um, yeah another game what was painful for me was Arsenal West Ham and the reason what was painful for me was last week I had Enketier as my deferential pick he came on he played a minute and he got me one stinking point this one he came on and he bagged a goal and he bagged the winner um, so quickly I want to talk about West Ham because I've got Sushek and I know Sushek was talked about quite a bit before the season started. If you didn't watch the games, you would say that Sushek is basically a defensive option, isn't worth isn't worth having in the side, because I'm having him as a fourth midfielder at the moment. Um, and there's not really any goal threat from him. But if you watch the games, he is... So the amount of open play crosses West Ham do... Is so targeted towards him. He always goes in the back up post. It's so like Fellaini. Goes to the back post. Corners. I know um, he was with Antonio. Ball hit the crossbar. He's such a threat. And I just think I do think it's just I think it's coming. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm happy to hold with him. And I think um, he's. I don't expect lots and lots of goals, but for five mil, I think he's just got that constant aerial threat. So when he plays the, the bigger teams there's still that potential of him scoring from a set piece. Whereas the other five mil assets, for example, they're not, they're not going to have that goal scoring potential because the team's not going to have the ball. But with Sushek, 
it just takes a set piece for him to have, have that chance of potentially scoring a goal. So that's what I'm going to hold. Um, Rudy, I know, well, Sushek's probably not, he's not the most popular pick in terms of ownership and stuff like that. But what do you think about holding on to Sushek? Like you said, I think um, it's weird. Well, I think it's pretty much fixture proof if you, if you can say that for a five million pound midfielder. Yeah. Because, I've, like you said, I think against the big boys, against the, the Tottenham's and the Arsenal's, I can see him getting up there and you know being being a problem in, in the opponent's penalty area, um, getting a few goals as well. And I think he'd probably be the f- maybe third in line for West Ham in terms of picking up um, attacking returns this season. I think Antonio, yeah. maybe Bowen, and after that. I think we're struggling. Um, I can't really think of anyone else who's going to be up there chipping what in with about Jackie Wilshire? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Got, though. got hamstrings like breadsticks. <laughs> yeah. Jackie Wilshire. What about you, Greg? Am I am I mad to be keeping Sushek or? Um, I definitely agree that he can. You can see him bagging a goal at any point. They do uh, definitely target him with their crosses. I think any team will struggle to deal with him just because of how uh, tall he is. He seems like he can get. He's perfect for trying to win headers. Um, in terms of comparing him to other cheap options, I guess 5.5 mil is. If you want to focus on one game, you could say the 5.5 mil midfielders for Leeds got quite a lot of returns against Liverpool in game week one. So you could argue that. They're, they're 0.5 more expensive though, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. So I guess um, if you're looking to spend that 0.5 mil elsewhere, Sushek's definitely a considerable option. I think uh, West Ham definitely use him. Um, as one of their attacking threats. So, I think, so, really, I don't buy into this um, Arteta bullshit about him being this messiah of turning around and stuff like that. I think they finished eighth last season um, or whatever it was. Um, obviously, they won the first two games. I didn't think they looked that impressive against West Ham, to be honest. Um, West Ham were unlucky not to score score again. I think this game proved why Arsenal's defence is still not worth investing in for me because West Ham had so many chances and that Gabriel looks like a good player, but I think I would look like a decent player in the first game against Fulham. Um, So I think avoiding Arsenal defence is still the way to go for me. Um, Lacazette scored twice though, but he's too expensive. I don't know. I think you agree. Would you agree with that? Lacazette, there's no love there. Yeah, I think there's still a bit of uncertainty about whether he's going to start every game, um, and that is price. I think Aubameyang is just probably the, the safer bet to go if you're going for Arsenal attack. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, Aubameyang. Did you, did you both captain Aubameyang? Yeah, Aubameyang yeah. yeah. Just for the safety, I, I didn't dare go anywhere else. I think after getting off to a good start in game week one, I just wanted to play it safe. safe. Uh, I was going to go for Bruno Fernandez, so yeah. that it was the right decision. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, what do you think about, I know there's a lot of talk about Aubameyang's position. Um, they're talking about him playing left, left wing back or wherever he's been playing. And I watched the Fulham game and his goal came from a brilliant finish. Um, and a lot, his goal against Liverpool in the community shield also came from a good finish from just outside the box. Is it, is he actually going to get that many key chances within the box or is it just down to his individual brilliance of finishing and it seems to me that it seems a lot it doesn't seem like he's going to be getting many tap-ins this year so for 12 mil is that too much for someone you're just hoping that has that individual bit of brilliance each game 
compared to someone like Salah, who's having 10 shots in the box every game. So where do you both stand on Aubameyang? I know that everyone's talking about Aubameyang to KDB, but what do you think about him as a long-term option at 12 mil? So uh, for me, I'm, I'm one who has, has done Aubameyang to KDB on my wildcard, but the main reason for that personally is because I want KDB so bad uh, and he was the most logical choice. Um, I think you're definitely right with Aubameyang. I think he plays quite a wide position, but what I've seen from the first two games is it seems he plays that wide position more in the first half, but in the second half he drifts quite a bit more into the middle and I've seen him make some runs through the middle and I remember in the first game he did have a few good chances in the box. Um I can't remember if it didn't fall to him or something, but I think definitely he will get chances and he probably will get tap-ins as well for me. And Golden Boot, um, well, not Golden Boot winner, but he was close to winning the Golden Boot last year. I think he will get goals. Well, he's got 22 in the last two seasons, but yeah, obviously a great option, but I think just keep an eye out on that positioning because if if it's taking a worldy finish every time, then I don't think it's worth it. Right, let's go to the game. What? fucking blew my mind on Sunday, which was uh, Southampton versus Spurs, 5-2. Now, I know both of you had some, but I want to quickly just go into this game. Now, I'm Hasenhutl, right? And I'm sat on the sideline. Spurs have scored just on the edge of half-time. What have they done? Oh, yeah, they belted it over the top, done it across the sun. He's put it in. Okay, okay. So 46th minute, what's happened again? Oh, oh, they've belted it over the top, across, and Sun's put it in. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder how I, I wonder how I could change this. Oh, uh, so five minutes later, they've belted it over the top, put it across, and Sun's put it in again. <laughs> so anyway, he sat there again and he looked at his notes and he's ripped. Oh, they're, they're putting it over the top. Anyway, he looks up and they've fucking belted it over the top, put it across, and Sun's put it in again. <laughs> So what I'm trying to say is, is Hassan Hootl the least adaptive manager in the Premier League? Or where he, does he need a pair of glasses? Or what is going on? Because that defending was fucking suicidal in that second half. And you just when I saw that, because I had McCarthy and Cole Walker-Peters in the first game week, it's just, with something like that, you just think the guy just doesn't, you just don't give a toss about the result because that you can see how Leicester put nine past them because they just don't adjust when it's going wrong. They just don't adjust. So I think it basically completely writes off any Southampton defensive assets for the foreseeable because if they're gonna, there's just no, there's no leadership on the pitch or or on the sideline to make a change when it's not going right. So would you would you think? I know all both of you are buzzing because obviously Sons put them in. And I'm bitter that he he did, but what? What do you think about that in terms of Saints defending, staying away from... Because McCarthy, he has sieves for gloves, doesn't he? So he just... What do you, what do you think? He's, he's one I'm trying to get rid of my team, uh, out of my team ASAP. Um, the defence just... It looks shocking. Uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, as I mentioned earlier, as we've seen in the first game, was exactly the same in the second game. Um, sorry, Mecca in a little bit here. No, sorry, mate. Um... Yeah, I don't know what the approach was for Southampton. Um, I think the approach was let's stand on the fucking halfway line and look back as Sun's putting it in. What do you think, Greg, in terms of Southampton? I definitely think um, he didn't adjust to when when, when Spurs were going through, ball over the top, um, 
the defence didn't adjust to that. But I do think Mourinho has to take credit for what happened in that second half. I think uh, he saw that they were playing the high line. And in the first half, Saints were quite dominant. I know Spurs had a goal disallowed. Um, two goals disallowed. Two goals disallowed. But I thought Saints were um, didn't didn't seem that uncomfortable uh, considering the score conceded um, four in the second half. Um, I just think Mourinho made some changes at halftime. I know he brought on the Celso for Ndombele. I thought Ndombele had a decent first half. So you could say that was questionable, but it might have turned out to be an absolute masterstroke because it um, led to, what, four goals in the second half. So And I know um, Kane dropped further deeper. Same went more up front. Kane was dropping deep, putting the ball over the top. That was something that changed in the second half. So, so I think it was both Hassan Hootel making defensive um maybe naive tactical mistakes, but also Jose capitalising on what Saints were doing. Yeah, no, true. Um, I just want to really hammer home a point about McCarthy, okay? So I had McCarthy game week one. Anyone who's got McCarthy, Rudy, you might want to put your hands over your ears for this one quickly. Um, Right, so he let five goals in, yeah. Yeah. He also let another two goals in, which were disallowed from Kane. So that's seven. And I'm just looking on the points for the game and he made one save now so this guy you're telling me they've taken eight shots on target and this bloke's only he's only saved one of them that's like that's nearly Kepa level so um yeah get rid of him get rid of him quickly so quickly Kane so Kane he played the playmaker role put it through every time I know they made it easy for him but he, he obviously had the quality to put it through did get his goal. Is Kane 10.5, lowest he's been in a while? Um, if you've got a mil spare, do you go Vernon to Kane now? Um, not not for me personally. I think Werner with his upcoming fixture against West Brom, that looks quite appealing. I think the problem, problem is with Kane, I think it's quite hard to predict. Um, that's something that I noticed last season anyway, when he'd have a favourable fixture... You'd be expecting him to kind of score big and get some returns and far too often he kind of walked away with two points. And then the games that I didn't expect him to do as well in, that's when he was getting his balls. So for me personally, uh, it's a good pick, don't get me wrong, but I think Werner, I think he's going to get his, he's going to start hitting the back of the neck soon. Um, a bit cheaper than Kane as well. So if I had Werner, I'd be looking to to hold it and just, just ride it out with him because I think it's a matter, matter of time before he starts finding the back of the net. Yeah. Is there a worse finisher in the Premier League than Che Adams? Because I don't know if he's got the wrong contacts in or whatever's going on, but he's had so many opportunities, but he just can't put it in the net. So for six mil, do you hold on because he's getting all the opportunities or is it just too frustrating to watch him miss every time, Greg? I think um, definitely he's, he's had his fair share of chances, which he hasn't converted in the first two games, but... If I was holding Che Adams, I wouldn't be looking to get him out just yet. I think he is still a cheap option and he is getting the chances, which is a big thing. So I think um, it's easier for a player to start converting chances than it is for a player to start getting chances, if that makes sense. So I think think he's um, still a good option. Yeah. All right, so we're going to quickly quicken the pace up because I know we've done quite a bit already. Just basically ranting about Southampton's defence, but... We'll quickly talk about Newcastle Brighton. Um, there's not really a lot to talk about. I know Brighton won three 0 Newcastle will be really disappointed with that. More pay getting two. Uh, the big talking point from this game for everyone FPL wise was Lamptey, wasn't it? He 
was absolutely electric. Got another assist, uh, 4.5. And uh, I think he's going to be fine for the United game. For the 4.5 options, he's one of the best ones, isn't he? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You've got him in your wildcard, Greg. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I've been really impressed. First two games, definitely. Um, he's in my wildcard team. If you were wildcarding now, Rudy, and you had a 4.5 spot, would he be in it? Um, yeah, he would, actually. Something I've been um, kind of toying with. Um, I was kind of against playing a wildcard so early, but there are a few buyers that I need to kind of put out, put out in my team. So I've still got um, Vinagri, Lascelles, um, no Everton, no Jimenez, um, and obviously <laughs> McCarthy as well. Um, but yeah, Lamptey, would, I was having a little play around with my team last night and yeah, Lamptey is one that I'd like to get in along with a Burnley defender. Um, yeah, I think the big thing about Lamptey is they're playing they're playing it so he's one of the wing backs and obviously we, we've seen the value of how Wolves have got played from that system and the likes of Doherty and yeah. Um, Johnny and people like that so if he can have anywhere near that kind of success for Brighton then obviously a great option yeah because um, of that for, for Chelsea as well didn't he the way he was getting getting forward against Chelsea I was surprised yeah yeah, yeah and he's he, he got him for three mil off Chelsea so an unbelievable buy there shows shows there is value there if you've got the right scouting network but um, yeah he's uh, Edward has got dumb and dumber looking out for him um, so we got Chelsea, Liverpool. Now, a bit gutted as a Werner owner because he deserved that penalty. Jorginho missed it. So there could have been that thing there. He looked really bright. It was a tough game um, for Chelsea there. They're still missing the likes of Ziyech, Pulisic, big creative forces. But Liverpool look like they're going to win the league, which is a bit of a killer. I know it's early on, but they just have that dominance of like a team where you just think like this team, Chelsea... They're one of the pretenders and they just went there to their own patch and just said, we're going to just control this game. And that was real championship for me. Um, so people who went from Mane to Salah, are they going back to they're going back to Mane again this week? Or he got the two goals, but Salah at home? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, having seen how knee-jerky a lot of managers have been so far in the, in the first couple of game weeks. But for me, I like to just kind of stick with one of them. Um, and for me, it's Salah. Uh, as we've seen in game week one, I think penalties for pretty much the same price. Um, yeah, I think it is the, the safer bet for me. I think Mane could probably be a little bit more explosive at times. Um, but I think Salah will probably keep ticking over a little bit more in terms of consistency. Maybe there'll be a few games where he might only get five or six points. Whereas I think Salah will probably get go a few games, getting two or three points, and it has a, a couple of monster hauls. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. That's how I um, and then, Greg, I don't know if you think this too, but Thiago came on. He looked a little bit, I know it's his first game, but when players ran past him, he looked like he struggled to keep up in terms of that and obviously made a clumsy tackle on Werner. If he plays the CDM position yeah. and Fabinho doesn't, does that make Liverpool's defence weaker assets? And that's what I'm I'm thinking. If Fabinho goes to centre-back and Thiago goes to CDM, I think they're going to get... I don't think he's going to be giving them that coverage. So what do you think about that? Do you think the clean sheets, could there could be a lot less clean sheets for Liverpool this year? I think it's a good point you make. I'd say um, I wouldn't particularly consider Thiago an out-and-out um, defensive midfielder. I think the main part of his game is incredible passing. Um, 
So I do see where you're coming from. I thought Liverpool was still quite a strong defence there. I know they had um, a penalty conceded, but I didn't um, really... Like, I fought against Chelsea at Chelsea's home ground, I don't think. Uh, I was disappointed with Liverpool's defence. I think it hasn't turned me away from them for sure. And especially with the Liverpool defenders, I mean, the attacking threat they have as well as their defensive uh, capabilities, I don't really... It doesn't worry me about their defence. And I think Thiago's a class player. First game, I think he'll get better and better. Yeah. And then we go late into Sunday. So we've got Leicester Burnley. So Leicester Burnley, it's not... Burnley are decimated by injuries at the moment. So it's hard to really take on board. But Justin got the goal. And then another one, Castagna got two assists. Now, if Pereira comes back, I know Castagna's at right back, what happens is he go out to the left? But he does look a great option at the moment in terms of his attacking threat. He's got three assists in the first two games. No, sorry, two assists and a goal. Um, is he a potential option at 5.5? I think he's had a price increase to 5.6. So what do you think, Greg? Um, who, Castagna? Yeah. I think Castagna's um, been very impressed with him in the first two games. Looked very good uh, attacking-wise. As you say, got the two assists, got a goal, and pr- pretty much. Um, the dream start for him as an FPL option uh, besides uh, not the clean sheet in this Burnley game but uh, definitely 5.5 mil he's looked great so far yeah and I think anyone who invested in Pope is going to be a bit worried at what they're seeing so far just because they just look decimate they look they look desperate for some reinforcements and it doesn't look like it's coming I know they assigned Dale Stevens today but that's about as exciting it's like, I, I couldn't even think of, like, that's just so shit. Like, honestly, that's so depressing. That's like your mum telling you she's bought you a chocolate bar and comes back with a fucking topic. Like, that's literally <laughs> what it's like. Um, so what do you think? Is it the end of... Pope's not going to be anywhere near the top at the end of the season, is he? Or what do you think? Um, I think, I think, I think Burnley will turn it around. Um, I don't know how long Mee's out for. Is that a long term? I'm not, I'm not too sure. I know Tarkowski's very short term, but um, but yeah, I just I didn't think they were too bad against Leicester. Obviously, they started off quite well. They got their first goal, didn't they? Um, Chris Wood, Chris Wood impressed me. I thought he had a quite a good game. Um, yeah, going forward, Leicester were just all over them pretty much. I think what really worries me about Burnley is they've got such a small squad, and obviously the whole season's so condensed that usually they could maybe cope with it a bit better, but I think they're going to really struggle this year really? with just the lack of reinforcements they've got. And I think another one who we're going to move on to now is Sheffield United. Now, Sheffield United, without Henderson, they've brought in Ramsdale. And Ramsdale, he's obviously nowhere near the level of Henderson. Um, so Villa took the game 1-0. I know Sheffield United had the penalty. Um, Martinez made the save. Is he the best option of the 4.5 goalkeepers? Yeah, I really like uh, Martinez as an option. I think uh, in terms of quality, I think he's a great goalkeeper. Uh, maybe worries me a little. I know Aston Villa are quite strong defensively, but uh, I really liked uh, Ryan uh, for Brighton because I thought Brighton looked really solid so far. Yeah. Um, but I think Martinez definitely up there as one of the best 4.5 millers, especially if you're getting the likes of Lamptey in because that gives you Brighton coverage and then Villa coverage with Martinez. So... Yeah, for me, definitely, he's one of the best options. I know a lot of people invested in Sheffield United's defence last year. Um, with Ramsdale and goal, I don't think 
the way they've been priced now, they've all been up, uplifted a little bit from last year's success. I just can't really see them being... I know it's very early, but just I look at Ramsdale and he just reminds me of Pickford, just just full of mistakes. I don't know what you think, Rudy, but Sheffield United, their defence, I just don't really see that investment this year. Yeah, um, having watched uh, the first couple of games, some of the goals they conceded, I did wonder whether if Dean Henderson was still in between the sticks, whether he would have saved them, and I, I think he probably would. Um so yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think they'll they'll leak a few more goals than they did last season. Well, considerably considerably a lot more goals than they did last season, um, unfortunately. But yeah, I think it's you know only you start like a six-a-side team, Rudy, and like yeah. you just you basically you've only got six players, so you need to make the team, and you just put the crappiest player in goal. <laughs> That's literally just how I feel about Ramsdale. I just feel like he's just the worst player so they just shoved him go but I can't believe they've paid 18 mil for him I love um your agenda for Ramsdale I don't know where this has come from but it just seems like you can't stand the guy <laughs> well I so what the basically the background story is I went to university at Bournemouth and uh saw, saw them there loved it up there and he had a good season at Bournemouth last season but if we're being honest he made loads of saves but it, a lot of the time he let him go he shouldn't have so Basically, what I'm saying is, guys, Ramsdale's crap, and I wouldn't bother investing in that. Uh, so, and then the last game we saw them last night—not sorry, last night, Monday—very impressive. This is the thing about United; everything gets thrown at United. Uh, we didn't have any preseason. City had no preseason, and they beat Wolves away. So, it's hard to judge. But obviously, we've touched on De Bruyne. Um, I think we'll come away from De Bruyne because we'll talk about that a little bit in the captaincy stuff, but Jesus and Foden. So Jesus, 9.5. Is it, obviously with City's, City's upcoming fixtures, is it worth going from Werner to uh, to Jesus for a little while? Going that double up? Greg? Um, I would argue, yeah. I think uh, City are going to be full of goals. Um, he's with Aguero out at the moment. You know, Jesus is probably going to start up front. Uh, so he's going to get chances. Definitely see him scoring goals. Uh, so I can see why you'd want to bring in Jesus. But in terms of transferring out Werner for Jesus, I think Werner as well, I'd expect him to start getting goals soon. So I wouldn't think mm. that'd be a transfer worth making for me personally. And then we've got Foden. Do we trust Foden to start? Um, I think that if there's no silver, they've not brought in anyone. The only one I'm really think who might be a threat is Bernardo. Bernardo coming more central, but he's going to play a lot of games. Is it worth taking the risk of having him six point five and then have someone on the bench you can come on, someone like a Suchet, for example? And if he doesn't, if he doesn't come, up, but is the problem? Do we trust Pep to not bring Foden on if he doesn't start him? Is it worth the gamble? What do you think, Rudy? Is it worth the gamble six point five? I think so. 6.5 for a team who's probably going to go on to score the most goals in the Premier League. Um, is he playing as part of the the front three as well on the, on the right-hand side? I think he played instead of Mares, yeah. So he played him out on that wing. But I think when Mares comes back, it'll be interesting to see what happens because when he brought on Torres, but he took Sterling off for, to- for Torres and he left Foden. So I think it's... Uh, and he got quite a lot of goals in post-lockdown, didn't he? So, I just think 6.5, you might just want to take the hit and let it, and just let it, let the land lie. 
Yeah, and I think even coming off the bench, if he does come on with 20 minutes to go, I think he's always capable of getting an assist or getting a goal. So 6.5, I think he's a steal. Great value there for me. And then another big talking point is Podence. Now, Podence been starting up front with Jimenez. The problem is they've just signed Semedo. Does that mean that Semedo goes right wing back and Troy Ore goes higher up and Podence is um, under threat? Then you've also got the new signing of Fabio Silva. I think it's uh, something like that. Fabio something Silva. Silva. Yeah. yeah, Fabio Silva. He's obviously been bought for big money. He's going to want to start games up front. Podence 5.5. He looks brilliant. He looks great in the first two games. But is is it eventually going to be a transfer waiting to happen? So, What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I definitely think there's a, a rotation risk there with Semedo coming in. It'll be interesting to see... Um, what that means for the wingers because it might mean Triore's uh, competing with them now for the wing spots. So I think rotation risk is definitely the downside to Podence. So I do think he's looked quality in the first two games and Wolves have great fixtures coming up. So um, there's that as well. I think overall, I think Podence is a good option, but it's maybe one to wait and see to see uh, how his game time comes. You guys are killing me. I've literally <laughs> put Podence in like... <laughs> Monday night game and um, yeah I, I think he, he really impressed me in the two games that I've seen him play and I just can't see um, can't see him being dropped based on that um, yeah. but yeah I didn't think of some of the scenarios that you just put forward there so yeah <laughs> well, he, he did meg KDB so you can't get exactly, dropped exactly. meg KDB yeah. <laughs> to be fair um, on my wildcard team he's currently in it so I'm also thinking oh. of him no doubt he got into the change room after the game and he went, did you see that? Like, <laughs> uh, I'd be literally talking about it non-stop. Um, all right, so we've gone through the fixtures there. We're going to quickly just go on to game week three and just talk about the captaincy. And I'll just, I picked out the main options because there's no point about talking about the likes of Mitrovic and stuff like that. We've got no chance. So the main f- options I've got here are, I've got KDB, at home to Leicester. I've got Werner away at West Brom. I've got Salah at home to Arsenal. And I've got Jimenez away at West Ham. Now, the reason I put Jimenez in there is because of West Ham having the positive coronavirus test yesterday. Uh, Diop being, uh, getting that there. You don't know who's going to drop out before the game starts. So that's one to keep an eye on there. But from those options there, I think the, the main discussion what seems to be happening on the community so far is between De Bruyne and Werner. Now, De Bruyne, I've got De Bruyne as captain. And the main reason is I feel like you can trust him. Like, you know, he's he's proven. He's on penalties. He's playing number 10. He's at home. City score lots of goals at home. Leicester, yes, they've scored a couple of goals, but they did let in two and against Burnley. Um they are kind of they haven't been tested too much. They played West Brom the first game. Justin and Castagna are playing high up. That leaves them fairly exposed. They're not going to be to finger there. I just think KDB, you're looking at a double digit. I think there's a double digit haul coming this weekend. But obviously Werner's got West Brom. And West Brom have let seven goals in the first two games. So what do you think in terms not seven goals, eight goals they've let in, in the first two games? So Werner versus KDB, who do you prefer out of those two? Um, I think they're both great picks, to be honest. Uh, like I said earlier, I think Werner's 
only a matter of time before he starts finding finding the back of the net. And I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went on to score a brace this weekend against West Brom. But I think the safer option for me would be De Bruyne, um, just because he keeps he keeps things ticking for for Man Man City. He seems to be at the heart of every attack. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went to go on to get a double digit haul again uh, against Leicester City. Um, and the other captaincy option that I heard you mention was Salah as well. That's one I've been thinking about this week. Um, home to Arsenal, I think it is. Um, and yeah, I can see him doing quite well this weekend. I don't know why. I think it's kind of, I think the fixture is a bit off put in, but I can see him doing quite well. So he's currently my vice captain. Yeah. Um, but I'm leaning to. Who have you got captain at the moment? Uh, De Bruyne. De Bruyne. So my transfers this week were De Bruyne and, um, and Podence in. Um, and I took out, who did I take out for De Bruyne? Uh, Abamyang and ASM. Mm. Um, that sounds so, like a yeah. boost, doesn't it? Yeah. I think Salah, Salah's got a really good um, pre Arteta, he had a really good history against. Arsenal at home. Um, I just think so. United done it before last season when we've played against Liverpool. And we've played five at the back, and the when they've played five at the back, and that's what Arsenal usually seem to play in the big games. And they really cut off the space between where Mane and Salah can come in from the in between the centre back and the the full back. Yeah, and that's why I think he's a great option but I just feel like I can trust KDB just a tiny bit more. And that's why, but I've, I, he can make me look silly. Salah can make anyone look silly with getting more than two this season, uh, this, this weekend. But what do you think, Greg? Salah, KDB, Jimenez, who, who, who do you fancy for this week, captaincy? Well, yeah, I guess uh, this might be like a boring answer, but I think they're all good options. I think they're all got the potential of uh, scoring a goal or two, um, or maybe a few assists. I think Werner against West Brom, Definitely could see him getting a double, um, a couple goals maybe. Um, I think he's looked dangerous. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets off the mark. I think I'm swaying towards De Bruyne over Werner just because, I don't know, I'm just a little bit worried captaining Werner because I haven't seen him score a goal yet. So it's kind of turning me off it a little yeah. bit. Um, I don't think that Werner is yet. Have you actually seen him have a clear chance yet? Like, he's played two games. Yeah, I haven't seen him have a clear chance. Liverpool. Did he have one against Liverpool? And he's, I don't know if that might have been offside, actually. I think. Yeah, I no, he did. Yeah, the one that went across yeah. the box and he, yeah. he absolutely spooned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, see, it's just when I see stuff like that, I just think, you, I know KDB and Salah, are, they're proven, aren't they? So you can trust them. But um, I think a slightly left field one is, if I had him, I would like to captain Jimenez against, um, against West Ham because I think they're going to be decimated. Mm. Um, and I think Wolves have looked so impressive. I, kn- I know they lost to City, but in the second half, they looked really good, I thought. And I think Podence is a brilliant shout from you to bring him in for this game. But so- something slightly left field, Jimenez, and also Calvert-Lewin, he's got Palace. Now, obviously, Palace have done fairly well in the first two games, but people still need to remember it's Palace. So I think um, he's another good option. But if you've got the... The thing about it is, if you're paying 12 mil and 11.5 mil, you're paying that you're paying that premium money to captain them most of the time, aren't you? So, 
if you've got like KDB in at home to Leicester or Salah at home and you're finding a reason to not captain them, then really you can't kind of be asking yourself why they're in your team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. So I'm going to go with KDB. So is it all KDB all round? Yeah, yeah, yeah for me, yeah, KDB for me. Um, just wanted to add on your point about Jimenez as well. Like, he's one I don't really see as getting big hauls. I think he's another one who is quite difficult to judge when he is going to get more than one goal in a game. So I wouldn't be surprised if if Wolves won, I don't know, 3-4-1 or something at the weekend and Jimenez only picked up a goal, maybe an assist as well. But No, you're right. He's like that just one goal ticking yeah. over, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Cool. And then the last thing we're going to go through is, so we've been doing our bro versus dif- uh, bro differential competition. It's currently 1-1. The standard's been appalling. <laughs> really, I let the standard's been appalling. So in the first game week, I picked Nketiah and Greg had Bowen. Bowen got two points and Nketiah got one. So I t- he took that one. And then in this one, um, I had Rashford, he got two points. And Greg had Aileen, who got one. one. So... Just it. So you haven't got a lot to compete against this week, but okay. I'm going to quickly break it down. So my pick for this week is Ollie Watkins. Um, the main reason is, is I think he obviously done well with Brentford last season. He's looked good so far in pre-season. He scored against Man United in pre-season. Good header. He's away at Fulham, which is the main reason. I've seen Fulham in two games. There's nothing there. They let him four against Leeds. He's 1.5% owned. Fulham have let seven goals in the last two games. I feel like Villa are going to score goals, um, especially with a little bit more fitness in there. Grealish picking up a little bit. Watkins picking up a little bit with his teammates. I think there's goals for him this week. And I think, so I'm going to go with Ollie Watkins as my differential pick. Uh, Greg, who have you got? Who's competing against me? So um, I've got Gabriel Jesus competing against your Ollie Watkins this week. Uh, I've decided to pick a big gun. Um, I want to make it two-one, but uh, um, so he's two point nine percent owned. I think he's he's going to start up front for City against Leicester. I know he's scored against Leicester in his past two times playing them. Um, I think City will get a few goals against them, and I think he'll get at least one of them. I tell you what, if Jesus is on the bench, I'm going to tag both of you straight away as soon as that <laughs> team news comes out. <laughs> Sterling starting up top, and what and. What about you, men? So who have you got? Who do you, who do you fancy for your differential pick? Um, well, obviously we've spoken about Poden, so I'm not going to be boring and, and go for that one. I'm going to I'm going to try and be a bit of a super differential here, and I'm going to go <laughs> for. Uh, <laughs> Listen up, guys! He's called it super differential. So okay, 0.8% ownership. Dwight McNeil for Burnley up against Cal Walker, Walker Peters. Um, I like Southampton. It. Something different if it comes up. I like that. that. I really like that. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Dwight McNeil. All right, guys, keep your eyes out. So we've got Dwight McNeil. He's up against Ollie Watkins. And then Gabriel Jesus. Boring old Gabriel Jesus has turned up and he wants to be part of it. (laughs) But um, yeah, so that's it, guys. Um, Thanks so much for joining us, Mentor. Um, Everyone on Twitter, make sure that you follow him. He's on at Mentor FPL. I think I've got that right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So make sure that you give the guy a follow. He's been great support to us so far. And um, yeah, thank you for joining us. And well, Thank uh, you for having me. No, it's been great. And we'll, we'd love to have you on again.
yeah, yeah, keep up with the great work with the podcast. I've been really enjoying it. Um, you guys literally crack me up every time I listen to you. So keep up with the good work, guys. And yeah, hopefully I can uh, make another appearance on here again in the future. Thank you, mate. Thank you. And all right, Greg. And um, Greg, I hope you do. I hope you do shit this week. <laughs> Same with you, mate. Same with you. Bye.